0: You are listening to Pastor Mike Greiner of Harvest Community Church in Catanning, Pennsylvania. We pray that you will be challenged today as you listen to a sermon entitled, John Wayne is Right, recorded on December 31st, 2017. For more information, check us out on the web at harvestpa.org. Let's join Pastor Mike as he preaches. Well, hello everybody. It's time to say Happy New Year now. Hopefully the new year is happy. This is the first weekend worship service of the new year and you might be saying wait a minute um, it's not the new year yet yeah I know but what else we can't call it a Christmas sermon it's time for new year so it's it's the last we're gonna have two new year sermons that's what we're gonna do one this week and one next week by the way if you're a guest here at Harvest my name is Mike that's all the introduction you get right now because I'm gonna preach a sermon since it's new year just to let you know we're going We're gonna finish First Timothy, which we started a couple years ago. (laughs) We're gonna start that in about three or four weeks. All right, it's all scheduled out. But I wanted to take some time at the beginning of the new year to hit a reset button. Um, I won't ask you to make any New Year's resolutions because what good are they? That that's just like saying I'm gonna go on a diet tomorrow. Oh, they don't do anything. But rather, uh, it, it's a good time to take stock of things at the new year and, 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 and let God in on that. So we're going to do it. And I'm going to start with Psalm 1. So if you have your Bible, you can open to Psalm 1. P S A L M. The P is silent. Why? I don't know. Psalm 1. It's actually a song meant to be sung. I don't know the tune. And I don't sing that well. But. This psalm is very special to me, important to me. When I was uh, 17, I left home, and after a couple of years of taking over the world, I decided, um, well, I didn't say anything. Actually, Jesus saved me, <laughs> and it was time for radical change. And so as a 19-year-old who just got saved, I decided to go to college at Altoona, Pennsylvania. Who wouldn't? And when I would join the Little Christian Fellowship as a new Christian, Christian uh, um, an unexperienced Christian, pretty much a pagan. One of the first Christian songs I ever learned in my life was, let's see, I might sing it for you. Do you like that? Okay. A couple of you were smart enough to say no, but you're outnumbered. Let's see if I can, can. It, it, no, I'm not good at singing. It went, blessed be ble- Blessed be the man who walks, not in the counsel of the ungodly, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in it he meditates day and night. He will be just like a tree planted by the riverside. His leaf will never wither, but give forth fruit, and all that he does will succeed. Okay, that was the song that they taught me. I had no idea it was actually words out of the Bible, which is a tricky thing to do to new Christians. You teach them songs that are really Bible words. And But then later on when I found it in Psalm 1, I went, wow, that's that song. But then that song became to mean uh, a lot more to me as I realized this, as a young man, this is a good guide for my life. Um, I'm not as young as I used to be. To some of you, I'm still young. If I am young to you, um, what I'd like you to do is take your vitamins, exercise and eat Right. Because as long as there's a generation of people who think I'm young, I'll live. I got to feel once that last generation goes, then I get to go next. But one thing I've learned in my short 54 years is that the quality of my life really has less to do with big events and big decisions than I thought. I mean, big decisions matter, and they do change the quality of your life, but really you only get about four of them really big decisions, and you don't know it going in, you think, well, this is a big decision, And this is, those weren't. You get about four. They have to do with who shares your last name, who shares your bed, and where you're going to plant, and that sort of thing. But most of the quality of my life really depends on a thousand little decisions I make all the time. Uh, it's a collection of small issues. Um, a pastor I heard many years ago named Peter Lord said that life is a series of crossroads. You're always coming to this point of decision where one road is immediately difficult, but it leads later to peace and blessings, and the other road is easy. Easy. And but it later leads to more pain and difficulty. And he says life is filled with those. Well, I can say after hearing that sermon and remembering that from a sermon 30 years ago that he's absolutely right. That's really true. And I, and I, and I think a lot about wisdom. I think wisdom is, uh, there's a lot of definitions, the art of living well or whatever. I think it's as a person for me, I'd say wisdom is when you learn to make a habit of making uh, decisions that are difficult in the moment, but lead to peace later. And they can be very simple ones, like get out of bed. Oh, that can be so hard when you're a teenager, or other ager, (laughs) right? Brush your teeth, I mean... Um, This is a decision to do something with your body, clean yourself, dress yourself. These are difficult at first, and some of you have made it into a habit wisely. Um, But then they can become bigger decisions, bigger crossroads. Just had a conflict with a person, it's not that big a deal. Do the difficult thing, go humble yourself and say you're sorry and it leads to peace later or I could take the lazy way out, justify myself, he's a jerk anyway and just sit on the couch and that will later lead to pain. Really, life is just a series of many decisions like that. Some of them are very tiny, some of them are big. Should I have potato chips or wait for supper? Tiny. But the quality of our life does come from that. I think wisdom is a person who just trains himself to take the best path. Over and over and over and over. And foolishness is training yourself to take the lazy path, the easy way that hurts later. You know, 90 days, same as cash. What happens on the 91st day? Don't ask. I'm getting it. I think uh, everyone is wise and everyone is foolish sometime, right? 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 Is that true of you? But I think the wisest among us are those who make it a habit of most all the time making the correct choice when they come to that crossroad, not the lazy choice. And as we begin a new year, (laughs) I was thinking, we need to make sure we are a people who thinks about wisdom versus foolishness. If you go to the book of Proverbs, which I'd recommend, there's, there's, there's wisdom for every day of your life, but there's also a lot about being a fool. It, it helps to have a book, a Christian book that comes right out and says, Fools do this. I like that, right? Why can't we all talk like that? It doesn't sound nice, but it, it cleans. If you say that in our society today, Fools do this, people say, Who are you to judge? So just go to the Bible and the Bible will tell you these things. We don't want to be fools. Because it increases suffering, and to be as serious as possible, as a pastor, um, one of the privileges you have of, of loving people and getting close to people, and they let you in, and so you can be there for them, and often at their most painful moments, <laughs> right? And and many times life brings painful moments no matter what you do, that's just the way it is. But sometimes you have to enter in with people where you where you know they continually make foolish decisions. And and create their own pain. It doesn't mean you don't love them because we all do it sometime. But some make it a habit. Your, your trouble is because you're always bringing trouble on yourself. I didn't want this to happen when you made this decision back here. John Wayne once said, "Life is hard, but it's harder when you're stupid." That's what the whole point of this sermon is. Because what I hear him saying is, life has trouble anyway. Better not be a fool. And I think that's what the Bible says. So the question is, how do we grow in wisdom? Answer, Psalm 1. Psalm 1 is going to be our instant formula for how to grow in wisdom. So let's read it together. I'm not going to sing it again. It's not the whole one, and I don't sing that well. You can tell I sped through the song. Because um, the longer you hold notes, the more likely you are to lose track of them, <laughs> and I lose track pretty quickly. I try like loud singing loudly in church because I can't hear me. Who's with me on that? There's a lot of us, right? I can sing along and nobody cares. Here we go. Psalm one. Blessed is the man. Who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers. That's three things he doesn't do, okay? This is, this is the way the Hebrews did poetry. They didn't rhyme. They did it with parallel ideas. So really, all three of those ideas, in a way, mean the exact same thing. And you can figure out what he's trying to say. They don't walk in the counsel of the wicked. They don't stand in the way of sinners. They don't sit in the seat of scoffers. But rather, here's a contrast, his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. He is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its season. Its leaf does not wither, In all that he does he prospers. The wicked are not so. They are like chaff that the wind drives away. Therefore, the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous." For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. All right, let's take this apart a little bit. It's a very simple song. It's a very simple idea. The first big thing to notice is there are two paths and two destinies to any man's life. There are two paths and there's two results of taking those paths because every path leads somewhere. So, The first of the two paths is a living tree. It's actually given in a picture of a living tree. Um, The tree that's planted by the river. Now, we live, by blessings of God, in a place with great weather. I know, people want to whine and complain about the weather. First, stop that, or it could get worse. Because God invented the weather. If you don't like the weather of western Pennsylvania... Move! (laughs) But don't complain, because God has a way in the Bible of opening up the ground and swallowing whiners, all right? No whining allowed. But actually, having lived in many places in the United States, I think the weather here is peachy. I mean, South Carolina, the northern parts are probably better. But besides that, this is a great place to live. We get the seasons, we get lots of water, we get lots of green. But I've lived in Yuma, Arizona. And I sit there. If you've ever been to Yuma, Arizona, anyone in, in, in here ever been to Yuma, Arizona? Okay. <laughs> yeah, that was... If you're not at one of the other campuses, my brother raised his hand, and the only reason he went was to visit me. <laughs> Yuma, Arizona, you get there and go, why is this town here? It is hot. 120 degrees at the hottest. And because it's low in elevation and near the Colorado River... It's also humid. You walk out of an air-conditioned store, and it's like you get hit with a board. I go, why would anyone, why is there a town here, right? Who's with me on this? I figured maybe, (laughs) where did it get the name? I I don't know where it got the name. Somebody's wagon broke down, and they just stopped there. Someone says, is that you, Ma? Yeah, it's me. We're stuck here. I don't know. That was a dumb joke, but I don't know where it got there. One thing I do know is everything's brown. And if you're from the East Coast, like I am, and you live, you get transplanted as an adult there, you get tired of brown. You get tired of blue sky. I am not kidding. You may not think it's possible. Just move out there and see for yourself. You get tired of blue sky, and you get tired of brown. Everywhere you look brown. And you know what they don't have in Yuma, Arizona? Trees. Unless you plant them, They don't got them. But there are places near there you can drive, and all of a sudden you'll just see a burst of green in the desert. And it'll normally be a line of green. It can stretch a mile long. And why would you all of a sudden, in a place where there's no trees, you see a mile-long curving row of trees? There's a river. There's a stream. Now, see, this is why this Psalm 1 doesn't work for me as an illustration In Pennsylvania. But I can see why it works in the deserts of Israel. Which is like Yuma, but with hills. (laughs) A tree, you can have a little tree dying that got a little water somewhere. But if you want a strong tree, they're planted right by the river. Because their roots go down they drink. (laughs) And they get strong. They grow leaves all year. And they bear fruit when they're supposed to. That is the picture God wants you to hold in your mind of one of the paths for your life. That might be your life. It doesn't matter what age you are, but I'll tell you, if you're young, take this more seriously. Take this more seriously. A few decades go by, and all of a sudden, you see life is fast, and a lot of people end up not as trees very quickly who who started at the same place you did. So, <laughs> be like a tree. Second path is chaff, driven by the wind. This is obviously what you don't want to be. What is chaff? It's not something that happens to your lips. Um, we, we, we use modern methods to get our grains today, but there's no grain you can eat that you can just take it, pick it, and eat it. Not even corn. Corn. If you take corn and you just begin to eat it, your mouth is going to be full of that hair and that green stuff. You've got to actually pull the husk off. What's well, the same with wheat and barley and all of them? Well, in, if, if you don't have modern equipment, one thing you know you can do with some of those grains to get the hull off of it is you can put it in a basket and you start tossing it in the air. And then what happens is the lighter stuff, which is the chaff, The wind helps you and takes it away, and what falls back in your basket is the grain. And the wind takes away the rest. Are you like chaff? Does your life have any value to anyone but you? Will it have value when it's done? Will it have value as it goes on? Or is it worthless? Waste. This is the choices that Psalm 1 has given you. You can be like a tree, which puts forth its leaf when it's supposed to, puts forth fruit when it's supposed to. People go to it for shade. They go to it for beauty. And they go to it for sustenance. That could be your life. Or you could be a waste of skin. (laughs) You could be chaff. God isn't playing here. You might say, don't judge me. You can say that to me, you can't say it to God. God is saying, You sitting here are one or the other tree or chaff. God's rough like that. Well, which one do you choose? Which one do you want to be? Now, only an idiot would say, I want to be chaff. I want to be a useless pile of skin. You know, I want to be a walking dirt bag of skin. It's a waste that gives nothing, takes most, and pretty much just burdens everyone else's life. You want to be the tree. Well, I got to tell you, there's some advantages to being chaff. It's fun sometimes just to lay on the couch for days at a time. I mean, you get bored after a while. I love, if you're ever sick or off work, and there's some reason you gotta watch daytime TV, you know who they think you are by the commercials. And uh, you can tell whether they think you're a woman or a man. And they keep trying to send me, whenever I watch TV, to ITT Tech or some other tech school where I can learn something. That's not that bad. Or what if being chaff meant You know, when I was a kid, a young uh, teenager, I used to like to listen to Billy Joel. love that one song, Only the Good Die Young. And uh, he says, I'd rather laugh with the sinners than cry with the saints, because sinners are much more fun. Only the good die young. Well, I kind of like that song, because I like to laugh with the sinners. It was fun. It was fun to be young and healthy and... Driven by your pleasures. (laughs) This is a lot of fun, actually. So, what's wrong with being a husk? Why do I gotta matter? Why can't I just float off on the wind? Well, one thing is you don't stay young and healthy. After a while, you get fat and old, and you can't. (laughs) Most people are getting married and stuff, and you're still the loser who's high. Or you get a job and you start flirting with people in the mall that are half your age and you're trying to get elected to the Senate. (laughs) Little modern joke there. (laughs) Everyone knows that guy who's trying to be, or gal, trying to be a husk. The beauty, the prom queen has faded, but no one told her. (laughs) She's a husk. So... But there could be an argument. If you always try to do the right thing, being responsible for other people, what a pain. Well, let's look at the two destinations. The first destination is for the trees. You get to go to the congregation of the righteous. Wow, that sounds cool. What's the congregation of the righteous? Congregation, the assembly. We're having an assembly. The trees get to go. It's like, like the Ents from Lord of the Rings. And the assembly of the righteous, what, what is that? Is, is this an organization that God built that we're supposed to have? Actually, it is. Did you know the word church in Greek means assembly? And then if you know Christ, you are righteous by his blood. And therefore, this is the assembly of the righteous. But that's not what this verse is talking about. This verse is talking about the assembly of the righteous at the end of time. Do you know what Jesus is doing in the earth is building an assembly. When he said, Peter, you said the truth on this rock, I will build my assembly. It's exactly what he said. He's using human history to build his gang. And, and, and that's... You're either going to be in his gang or out of his gang. If you're in his gang, hopefully we get cool jackets with rockers on the back and gang signs that are really cool. But you, you're either in his club or you're out of his club. That's the assembly being talked about. Something we normally call heaven. Now, I don't like visions of heaven, do you? <laughs> Never see visions of heaven I like. If you see it in movies, people die, and uh, they're normally nasty people or... <laughs> And they, they get to walk up to, they're in a line, and everyone's wearing white all of a sudden. And there's smoke. And there's a guy at a lectern. No, no, who's with me? Do you, you get a vision of this when I say it? And he's, taking, and he's taking notes, and he says, who are you? And the dude or the lady will give their name, and he'll go, you're not supposed to be here. Well, I died. <laughs> and then they, they send him back down to earth to do some good deeds, because that's how the movies are. And those are the visions of heaven then you go look at great art. Great, What's the deal with great art? I, some of it's great. I'm not a complete Neanderthal. But naked babies flying around? Who wants to go to heaven if it's filled with naked babies flying around? <laughs> Who's with me? Goofy looking angels and stuff. So in the cartoons, it's just people in bathrobes playing harps which is my least favorite rock and roll instrument. Who's with me? Who plays the harp? But there are visions of heaven described in the Bible, and you know what they all are? They're solid. They're real. They're colorful. I'll get to some later. But the point here is the tree, the tree people... <laughs> If you choose to be a tree, you get a joyful destiny with God forever in a wonderful place that you're going to want to be. That's your destiny. Now, let's say, now, I want to be a husk. I want to be like chaff. Well, you get, according to the scripture, to perish in the judgment. Well, what does that mean? It says, you will not stand in the judgment day. What's it mean to not stand in the judgment? Well, it means to fall, right? This is obviously figurative language. There will be a day when God brings all humanity before him and judges it. Some people will stand, some will fall. Who do you think is going to stand? Say the trees. Trees, right. If you are the chaff, you don't stand. What do you think you'd do with a bunch of chaff if you had it in a pile and you needed to get rid of it? God sees foolishness among mankind and he declares it wicked. He says, Mike, the lifestyle you were living as a teenager was foolish. Well, I can recover from foolish. It was also wicked. And it's worthy of judgment. Tell me your deeds and I'll tell you the punishment. I was just thinking before I came up when we were singing of... uh, the rottenness of my inner self left apart from Christ. What a happy thing to think about, right? Now, that, don't, you don't have to... This, this, I mean, if you have a secular psychologists in here, they're losing it. They'll lose their stuff. Because they'll be like, these people don't believe in self-esteem. He's telling them they're all rotten inside. Look, if you're a Christian, you should have great self-esteem. Because the thing I thought... While singing that to the song is, aren't you awesome, Jesus, that my rottenness died with your body, that my sin went right there, and that right now your grace is showering me, and I feel like a child of God. Well, then the secularist says, look at these idiots. Religion is the opiate of the people. (laughs) You can't win with secularists. God sees the foolish and calls it wicked. So you have two destinies. Here's how we'd say it, heaven or hell, right? Let me give you a seldom seen description of both. I want to share with you from the, whoa. I keep manipulating it because it's getting, since I'm distracted, you should be too. The hinge is getting old on this cheap case that's on my iPad, so ignore that. I wanted to read to you a description of heaven that that you don't normally get, and I'm taking it right out of the Bible. Now it's going to be somewhat figurative and somewhat literal, and you can figure out which is which. You're not dumb. It's from Isaiah 11. It says this. There shall come forth a shoot from the stump of Jesse. That is figurative language for the Messiah. You have to trust me on this. You can look it up later at home. Um, Jesus is the root that comes out of the stump of Jesse. Jesse is David's father. David's the great king. Jesus is the one who sits on his throne. So you have the picture of A stump. And here comes Jesus. He's a tree too. And he's a branch from his roots that shall bear fruit. Let me give you a Christmas idea here just for kicks. Won't change the sermon. Do you know what the word Nazareth means? No, I don't. I'll tell you. It means branch town. This nothing stupid town, uh, you can look it up. I tried looking it up in the Bible and say, what important things happened in Nazareth? Nothing happened. It's a nothing town except for. Jesus grew up there. There's nothing that happened there. But it means branch town. And here it is. He's the branch from his root shall bear fruit. Obviously, figurative language and Jesus is the branch. Or the Messiah to come is the branch. We know it's Jesus. Isaiah wrote this before there was a Messiah. And the spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him. And it's a spirit of wisdom. Not foolishness. It's a spirit of understanding. It's a spirit of counsel, and it's a spirit of might. There is strength and wisdom. It's a spirit of knowledge, and it's a spirit of fear of the Lord. It never leads you to say, there is no God. Look how smart I am. And his delight shall be in the fear of the Lord. He shall not judge by what his eyes see. What does that mean? Well, you can judge me if you want. But one thing I'm certain of, you're going to get it wrong because you don't know me. I mean, not completely. You can judge one another. Or you can say, you can't judge me, and you're pretty much right, because I don't know you either. You could be my family, and I don't really know what goes on between your ears. Jesus always knows. (laughs) He always knows what's going on in your heart. He knows if you're deceiving everybody. He knows. He ain't Santa either. Santa seems to know when you're naughty... And know when you're nice, but it really never comes into accounting on Christmas morning. So he's pretty much a useless judge. No offense, kids. I mean, right? Remember that as a kid. They were like singing the song about naughty and nice. And after like one Christmas, you realize he lets me get away with anything. Not God, not Jesus. You'd think Jesus would be a softy. He's not a softy. Every single sin must be paid for. You say, well, that sounds like a mean God who would come to him. He's a righteous God, not mean. (laughs) Evil people won't come because they'll be judged. Well, But how loving is he if he pays for every single sin I did on his own body? But he does see them all. With righteous, or he doesn't decide by what his ears hear. You can tell him all the, you, know, you have lawyers, won't matter. He knows the truth. But the righteous, he shall with righteousness he shall judge the poor and decide with equity for the meek of the earth. He shall strike the earth with the rod of his mouth and with the breath of his lips he shall kill the wicked. Now this is obviously figurative language. God, Jesus isn't gonna come and breathe fire like a dragon and kill the wicked. And he's not gonna take a, let's say the iron rod with his mouth, poof. The point is his words are judgment. But if a picture is an iron rod, imagine I uh, um, uh, I don't know, a Hummel or some figurine that your grandma likes or you like because you're a grandma or, or some piece of pottery or a, a teapot that is very precious to someone. And you take an iron rod and you smash it down on it. That's a picture of Jesus meeting the chaff. And guess who's the iron rod? The fire kills the wicked. Why? Because righteousness will be the belt of his waist and faithfulness the belt of his loins. Human beings think they're good. I'm not that bad. Uh, who are you to say I'm a good person? I do as good as anybody and no one can judge me. That's, a, that's just a bunch of baloney. He is righteous. He's dressed in righteousness, and you ain't going to play with him, and you ain't going to fool him, and his plan for anyone who lives in foolish wickedness is destruction. But that's the hell part. Look at this description of heaven. The wolf shall dwell with the lamb. Generally, you don't see that, right? The leopard shall lie down with the young goat. This is a picture of animals that would normally tear one another apart, living in complete peace. There is no more violence. There is no more killing like that. And the calf and the lion are fattened together. And a little child shall lead them. Little kid leading lions around. And the cow and the bear shall graze cows graze bears don't graze you know why i mean they can eat some they eat vegetables they don't they don't live on grass every once in a while they gotta give up grazing and go ahead and eat a person or something or a dog (laughs) my mom moved to alaska when i was in 11th grade and so i spent a lot of time there my brothers did And can I tell you the difference between bears in Pennsylvania and bears in Alaska? They eat you. That's the difference. No one ever gets eaten here. Up there, someone gets eaten every summer. Don't believe it? Go to Alaska. Could be you. They say what doesn't kill you makes you stronger. Not bears. Bears kill you. Especially Alaska bears. They don't graze. What kind of world? You know, the Bible doesn't say heaven is you're floating in the sky. It says you're on a new earth. He renews. You're going to spend eternity, trees, in a place with a body, and you won't be a tree. That's a figure of speech. You'll be some sort of glorified human, and there will be water, and there will be sky, and there will be grass, and there will be trees, and there will be animals, and somehow you'll have a bear that can live on grass, which I think the grass improves quite a bit. Probably tastes like ice cream. You'd be down there with a bear, huh? (laughs) The lion shall eat straw like the ox, same as the bear. Lions don't graze. The nursing child shall play over the hole of the cobra. I got a little two year old niece who is perhaps the most gorgeous two year old in the great history of Earth. Now, I know you think yours is, and I guess God does magic on grandpa's, so we all think ours is, but mine is. It really, she really is. See, so you're sitting there putting her hand in a cobra hole. What kind of place is heaven The weaned child shall put his hand on an adder's den. Means the same thing. They shall not hurt or destroy all my holy mountain, for the earth shall be full of the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. The righteousness that is on Jesus will be spread over the whole earth, and everyone in it will be righteous by his doing. Which one are you, tree or chaff? Because right now, in 2018, you will decide which one you're going to be, and you're going to decide your destiny. You might say, well, I want a third option. Well, there is no third option. You get to be wise or you get to be a fool. You get to be a tree or you get to be a chaff. How hard is this? There is no third option. People say, well, there's Christians and they're really serious about it. They actually do everything God says. I like them, but they're a little holy roller. And then there's those... Other people who just do everything wrong they want to. But me, I'm kind of a normal person. No, you get to be on the chaff team. There's only two options. There's two roads. So what makes the difference between whether you're a tree or chaff? Um, Write this down. (laughs) The only wise choice is to live in such a way that God calls you a tree. Planted by water. Only a fool chooses to be chaff. Now, this might lead to a question. Does this mean you have to be perfect in order to be a tree? It absolutely doesn't mean you have to be perfect. What it does mean is you escape judgment by faith in Jesus Christ who died for your sins. You have to be perfectly nuts about Jesus, so in that way you have to be perfect. You have to be willing to be counted among his people. You have to be willing to associate with Jesus and Jesus' people. And the problem with associating with Jesus' people is God doesn't have a good screening process. He'll let any yo-yo in who believes in him. Present company as an example Faith, though, if you have faith that saves, do you know what it makes you? It'll make you wise. Because the Holy Spirit of God is bringing the faith and the wisdom will come out and you'll begin to make those decisions better, won't you? So, there's a commercial out now. I think it's uh, for DirecTV. They get a freebie here. I'm gonna repeat the commercial uh, where the one guy says, everyone wants DirecTV, TV Except for people who want cable, the people who want cable are stupid because they like to spill hot coffee on themselves. You have seen that commercial? The ladies pour hot coffee on themselves. She goes, <laughs> or the dude who's up in the balcony likes to hit his head, or up in the what do you call it, attic? Who would choose to be chaff versus being a tree? Who would choose a destiny of being chaff? Only an idiot. But I'm not, I say that, but I'm not trying to call all humans idiots. I'm, I'm, let me say it another way. I chose to be chaff and enjoyed being chaff for years. That was going to be the pattern of my life. I was going to find a way to always make sure I had enough pot to smoke to keep me happy, enough rock and roll to listen to to keep myself happy, enough, <laughs> as little work as possible would be nice. Who's with me? Right? And, and whatever I wanted, that's all I wanted. I wasn't going to hurt anybody. I'm no enemy of God. I wasn't going to rob banks. If the money was sitting there, I might take it if I could get away with it, but I'm not going to go in and rob the bank. I was content to be chaff. Throw me in the wind and toss me in the fire. I don't care. And that's most of the world. I think we're all very content with being chaff. Until we hear the powerful good news of Jesus Christ, and then we're forced to make a choice. And it is a big decision. I don't want to make it small. I do think it's foolish for me to choose chaff instead of being a good tree, but it's still a big decision to surrender your life to Jesus. He says, look, if you're going to go build a house, you better make sure you get the financing. Do not start building a house. And you get the basement done, and you you get a floor there, and boom, it's out in the rain because you ran out of money. Don't be that fool. Count the cost. But once you make that one big decision to follow Jesus, all the little decisions that make up life, where do they come from? Let's assume you're all trees, because I like that. I like to just assume you're all Christians here, all right? If you're not a Christian here today, pretend to be one of us for a while, see if it hurts. Okay, the big decision you made, you love Jesus. You're in the club. What about all the little decisions? I would like to make a lot of wise decisions. And I've always wanted to. The biggest problem I run into with my desire to make wise decisions is when I reach into my brain, I find an idiot. Now, if any of you are saying, well, that's you, not me, your pride is on the line, and trust me, you've proven to the people around you, just ask them. There's an idiot inside you, and we saw it when you did thus and so, and they'll remind you. How do I fix that? What's right there in the psalm? It says, blessed is the man who doesn't do one thing and does do another thing. To be wise, you don't do one thing and you don't, well, what do I don't do? What you don't do is you, blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, stands in the way of sinners, or sits in the seat of scoffers. Don't copy the way of fools and idiots. Don't do what chaff does. Don't take advice from wicked people. There are some people, and they can be men or women, but I notice normally it's women of the young variety but not only I'm not throwing you guys under the bus but this is kind of negative (laughs) is they'll have a problem and they'll tell somebody their problem and it doesn't fix their problem but they love the attention they get because we just talked about my problem and I was important for a moment so they go around asking advice to everybody right they might run into you and you give them the best advice you can and it's good advice because normally we're just idiots with ourselves with other people's problems we give them good advice doesn't cost us nothing and then they don't take your advice you know what they do? They go ask three more people (laughs) till they get a collection of idiots to give the same advice and then they do a stupid thing. Who's seen that in their lives? Okay, some of you are lying, but many of you went right away. (laughs) The Bible says don't do that. (laughs) That's what this means. Don't take advice from idiots. Don't take advice from people who reject God. Now, where do idiots learn, is there a rule book for fools? Or, <laughs> I have an what, what do you call that? Um, I have a, how to be a fool for, for dummies book. <laughs> this big yellow book says, how to be an idiot for dummies. I'm, <laughs> what kind of advice do wicked people give that you should ignore in 2018? I'm going to answer that question, but before I answer it, I want to tell you that I didn't get my answer from the Bible. Now, you should say, well, it doesn't matter then if you didn't get it from the Bible. Well, in this case, it does, because it confirms the truths that are in the Bible. I got all these answers out of my own head. I said, I'm not going to use a verse. I'm just going to think in my own head, what kind of stupid things do I do naturally? Let me place this another way. One of the hardest things for modern man to believe, modern human, modern cisgendered, modern whatever you happen to be, is that humans are wicked. They think it's insulting. But do you know where people come up with evil things to do? It's not from a manual. And they don't have to learn from one another. It comes from right here. So I was looking at my heart which is me, I was thinking, what kind of stupid things do I do without anyone having to teach me that just are natural to me? And here's what I said. Here's the things you shouldn't do, because this is what the wicked would tell you to do, and I learned it all from looking at me. And if you say, well, it's not from the Bible, you can find the verses. I just didn't. You'll find verses. One, avoid greed in all forms, because I'm greedy by nature. By nature, I'm greedy. Uh, don't cheat, don't steal. I've cheated, I've stole. Don't manipulate, don't betray. No hoarding of things, no stinginess. No stinginess. You know, if anyone says to you, "If I buy it, win the lottery, none of us are working again," can I tell you something? He's a liar. He says it before the money hits him. Stinginess is in the human soul. <laughs> People are predictable. When I get the million dollars, I ain't giving it to you. You go to work. (laughs) Stinginess. Gambling. People who are stupid will tell you to gamble. Now, here's a hard one because I I thought that came out of my soul. But then I thought, what's the Bible say? The Bible doesn't say anything about a friendly wager with a friend. You know, you watch a game, I watch a game, you buy me a pizza. So, I don't want to say something's a sin that's not a sin, but I do know that there's a thrill. I used to, to, to deal craps in the casino in Atlantic City. That was my job before I was a Christian, one of them. And I do know that bug bites you. <laughs> and you say, man, you put this much money down, you get this much money. And what is that? It's called greed. Oh, it's fun. Oh, it's fun if you win. If you lose, you got to put more down. If you lose, you got to put more down. And you lose, you got to put more down. And can I tell you what's a very big wicked sin in your society? It's called the Pennsylvania Lotto. This is a sin. It's awful. It's wicked. And you might think, how could it be wicked? Well, because the government runs it. If Joe Schmo ran it, I don't think it'd bother me so much, because at least he's a private citizen. But the government, charged with taking care of you, Gives you commercials with a talking rat. What is that thing? It's a chipmunk. No, what is that? It's a, it's a groundhog, a stupid groundhog. Saying, bite it, whine it, bite it, bite it. You ought to buy the scratch off. And then they say, gambling problem? They're getting, they know human nature is to get hooked on that. They didn't have to look in the Bible. They know it because they're humans you're going to get hooked on greed. They want people hooked on greed. Then they they sell them the thing that gives them their thrill till they're hooked on it and they get the money. Now is there a difference between that and someone who's pushing dope on kids at the playground? Because if there is, I don't know what it is, except the government does it. It's wicked. It's wicked. The government should be ashamed of themselves. It's wicked. The government gets its own people hooked on a product so it can make money. Well, they know how my heart works. (laughs) Loving wealth. I love money. Bible says don't love money and God, one or the other. So I realize it's a big change to follow Jesus because I love money. I love it. I'm not lying. Give me money. It's like the Beatles. Love is all you need. Then they got another song that says, Money, that's what I want, that's what I want, that's what I want. Which one's honest? Beatles said, all you need is love. And then they fought and broke up. I think they won the money. Avoid laziness. Oh, I love to be lazy. Avoid poor work habits. You go to work, people say, don't do that, don't work so hard. The boss is going to ask for more. Well, that's not bad, that's wickedness. Well, if I can be, they only pay me minimum wage. I only have to work half speed. That's wickedness. How do, where did I learn that? Right here. It was all right here. I got a manual of wickedness and foolishness and stupid right inside me. Wasting resources, avoiding work. How about hatred and revenge? Hatreds and revenge are kind of fun. They give a sickly pleasure. It never pays off. Jealousy, violence, fighting, fits of temper. That wasn't a real one, kids. I was trying to show you what they look like. <laughs> you know where I learned where they look like? By having them. And it's to my shame. Cruelty, self-indulgence, hookup culture, porn, living for food and drink, recreational drug use, misuse of words, Lying, negative words, faithless words, insults, gossip, complaining, pride and ambition, bullying others, seeking power, living for status among others, believing I'm better than other people, conceit, envy, I could go on. I didn't have to look to the Bible for any of these. They're all right here. Mankind isn't evil. Yeah, I bet you you could have made the same list without my help, couldn't you? We need a savior. Now what Psalm 1 says, don't run with people who do those things. Do you not realize that that list I gave you runs the world? Make no mistake, you wouldn't have politics. You you wouldn't, I mean, greed and running after wealth and hoarding runs the world. Fighting runs the world. Lust for power runs the world. Wanting to be better than other people, it runs your high school. it runs your state. it runs the world. People get up in the morning so they can be greedy. There'd be no wars. Humanity left on his own does evil. Period. Just to believe that's not true is to be a fool. And not know history. Here's the good news we're not left on our own. God has shown us a better way. What's that better way? Blessed is the man, verse 2 His delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law he meditates day and night. Here's the good news I have a manual for stupid in me, but God has a manual for wise. It's called the Bible. And he says, Here it's for you. You wanna be like a tree? So, your life is more blessed. It's not going to be perfect. There's going to be trouble, but you won't create more by being an idiot. Mike, you idiot. I'm talking to myself because I was one. Do what this says. Let your mind bathe in it. It doesn't say just do the Bible, it says his delight is in the law of the Lord. God, your way is awesome. In his law, he meditates day and night. Jesus, this is just one example. We haven't got time for more. says, do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy, where thieves break in and steal. Jesus, I love wealth. I want to lay it up. He goes, I know, I had to die for that. Instead, change the way you think. Stop loving wealth. Okay, well, what do I love? Well, don't lay up stuff on earth because people will steal it. I've never met anyone who had enough money. Have you? Have you ever had enough? Do you have enough right now? That's how you know. If you say, no, I could use a little more. Mm. And everyone who has money is worried they're gonna lose it. And can I, if you're worried about your future and losing your finances, I wanna give you peace right now and guarantee you, you will lose everything you have. Now you don't have to worry about it. You know the final outcome and you will die. There. All your worries are gone. Don't have to worry about money or being sick because you're not going to get to keep your wealth and you're going to die. Happy? I am. The world says, get all you can. It'll make you happy. Get a new car. It'll make you happy. Get new this. It'll make you happy. It doesn't work. Jesus says, earthly wealth, you're going to lose it. You're going to lose it. You can't keep it. You can't take it with you. But then he says something completely unexpected that no stupid human like me would figure out on his own. He says this, but do lay up treasures. Excuse me, you just said don't love money. Oh, I don't love money. Don't love the things here. But he doesn't say give up your love for treasure. (laughs) He says just switch it to good treasure. Well, what's the good treasure? (laughs) He says, store up for yourself treasures in heaven where nothing can steal them. And where your treasure is, that's where your heart is. Oh, there's a principle. I could think on that all day. You could think of, what if tomorrow you set your day to just thinking through where your treasure is, there your heart is. And you just meditated on that all day long. What would change in your tongue and in your actions and in your thoughts and in your priorities? Can I tell you what would change everything? How do you lay up these treasures, Jesus? The answer he tells us in the Bible, it's faith working through love. It's gonna come down to how you treat humans. It's gonna come down to love. It's gonna come down to faith. One more example before we get out of here. Whoever belittles his neighbor lacks sense. Wait a minute, God. If we don't talk about what an idiot that girl is, the rest of us don't feel pretty. That's what eighth grade is for. No, no. Whoever belittles his neighbor lacks sense. But I'm finally with the cool girls. They all think I'm one of them. <laughs> if I don't make fun of Susie Stupid, they're going to think I'm not cool. Well, that's what's in your wicked heart already, young ladies. That's not good. What's good is whoever belittles his neighbor lacks sense. But a man of understanding remained silent. He, Just keep your mouth shut. Whoever goes around slandering reveals secrets, but he who's trustworthy keeps in spirit keeps the thing covered. In two sentences, there's so much wisdom for a thousand little moments in my life. You make hundreds of decisions every day. You do. Peter Lord was right. You have crossroads every day. We will get to the end of 2018. Most of us will be alive, God willing, but it's probably true. Some of us are gonna do some severely stupid things that hurt us, and we might even curse God. Why does life hurt? Because he he ain't gonna tell you what I'll tell you because you're an idiot. John Wayne was right. Life is hard, but it's harder if you're stupid. What if in 2018 you decide not to be stupid? Make that, there's your resolution. Someone asks you, are you going to diet? No, I'm going to try not to be such a stupid idiot. How? I'm not going to listen to your dumb advice or this dumb advice. I'm going to listen to people who love the word of God. And I'm going to listen to the word of God. What if this is the year? <laughs> he says the one who meditates on Do you meditate on the Bible day and night? Do you meditate on the Bible day and night? Seriously, do you? Do you ever memorize any verses? Do you read the Bible? Have you seen a Bible? What if in 2018 you read the Bible? What might God do to teach you? What if you memorized a chapter of the Bible? You could memorize Psalm 1. I could teach you a little song. Brothers and sisters in Christ, I'm not supposed to be down this far. Probably messing up. Sorry, guys, at the campus is not here. Can you see me? I don't know. <laughs> what I'm saying is Christ has forgiven us. He's made the path to a peaceful life in this troublesome world easier than we make it. 2018, how about you make it your personal year of the Bible? Thank you for listening to this sermon from Harvest Community Church. We invite you to join us at any one of our four campuses located in Catanning, Petrolia Valley, Indiana, and Freeport. For more information, check us out on the web at harvestpa.org.